Absolutely. So what is up, everybody? We are calling all nerds, and you have answered the call, the beacon in the sky, if you will. We're your friendly neighborhood hosts that talk about everything within the entertainment zeitgeist. And we are so excited to talk about some amazing stuff tonight, starting with our Final Fantasy 16 reviews so far, uh, as I believe Peter and I are roughly a little halfway through the game. Uh, then we're going to be talking about just the amazing week that the theater is having right now with a lot of great movies that are out. Possibly touch on the current writer and actor guild strikes that are happening and what that could mean for the film and TV industry over the coming months. And then finally ending out with some great indie games that have been released lately. Uh, Dave the Dive. Dave the Diver, is that the name of the game? Yeah. Um, that I'm very excited to hear about from Peter and Tyler as well. So welcome if you are joining us. And I guess we can hit the ground running. Um, Peter, how far are you now in Final Fantasy 16? Oh, boy. Um, <clears throat> I think about halfway. Well, uh, based on the percentage, 50%. So. 50%? Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm 62% through the game. So I am a little bit farther than Peter. Um, got about... 28 hours on the clock so far uh which sounds about right i'm probably most likely going to end the game at around 40 to 45 hours at, at my current pace um you think that'll which, be with 100 or without 100 i think that'll be with 100 of what is possible to achieve within the first playthrough because the the thing is a lot of the the trophies are require you to do a new game plus like fully like beat the game twice yeah and the game significantly changes in new game plus like the level cap for your first playthrough is level 50 that level cap doubles in new game plus um the way enemies appear on the field and um you know how combat is handled is a little different in new game plus too called final fantasy mode I guess is the title of the mode. Um, <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. But it is very much one of those games right now where um, I don't foresee myself wanting to replay it anytime soon. Like, I, I definitely probably will to 100% it at some point in the future. Oh, but, so not, not to 100% like right away. Right. It's not one of those that I'm just like, I'm going to immediately jump back in and replay the entire game all over again. Um, I just... Yeah, not not feeling it that much. Uh, I would say, yeah, I would say right now, if I were to rate it, um, I would give it a seven point five out of ten. Uh, wow. It's it's yeah, it's a good game. Like I mean, it's a, it's a it's a good game. I'm enjoying it, but I'm not loving it. Um, no, I I think I'm a little let down, honestly, by what I was hoping it would be. Um, but it's still well made. For what it is i just it, it feels like a very uneven game okay. um and i'll i'll definitely delve into that a little more but yeah peter what what, what what how would you grade it so far in in the halfway point that you're at yeah i'm i gotta say it's probably like a seven for me or yeah almost like i almost i, I can't give it too low of a score because basically what it does amazing it does better than anything I've ever seen for a final final fantasy game for the combat. Mm -hmm. Um, but the story, 
I guess I can't t- talk too much about the story yet without having completed it, but um, there are basically um, so many moments that feel stale, um, like when you're going through the town and sort of the world building and stuff like that. It kind of feels like um, one of those typical <clears throat> uh, talk to someone and their mouth kind of moves robotically, um, and the dialogue just doesn't hold up to get you captivated about what they're talking about half the time. And this yeah. goes for like a lot of the characters in the game outside of the main ones that are core to the story. And so I, it really just feels like you're in a world with um, the main characters and then everybody else is sort of like, doesn't really seem like they exist or are real. Um, and so like the overall world building, I think it was just really bad in this game. The overall uh, world building that you said. Yeah. Like it just doesn't feel like um, it doesn't feel like you're in a fantasy world either. Um, like I was pretty disappointed when I saw the first Adamantois and, and I guess some of the style of the game, I, I think they talked about how they wanted to go a little bit more. Um, I don't know what the term they used was, but it, it kind of feels a little bit more like, Oh, grounded. Like they like wanted realistic. to go realistic grounded. And I, and I know they kept repeating that in terms of the style and it kind of goes, goes to show that without like, you know, back in some of the old Final Fantasy games, you'd run into like a an enemy that would be like the Adamantoids that would be towering like like so tall among the the landscape and and just have a ridiculous amount of health and and you usually can't even like beat it until like later on in the game. But the first few Adamantoids you see in this game are almost like like more realistic looking characters, like almost something like that you'd see in like um in real life like just a large turtle basically <laughs> like only a little bit larger than a human oh, and uh they didn't make them like like outrageously ginormous no and no. they made them look kind of like realistic looking too oh, like like just honestly real really the, the, honestly to to peter's point i would say the only things that really are at a level of spectacle in this game are the icons are the right. Mm. Are the summons like the the characters the, yeah, the battles people, they have for people who may not be aware icons being e i k o n s correct not icon like i c o n correct what, yeah um what is an icon so an icon is another name for basically the big summons of the Final Fantasy universe um they follow in each game all the summons are fairly the same like some games have more summons than others but there are core um, a core eight that are in every single Final Fantasy, at least in the later Final Fantasies. Um, those being, you know, and they all have their own element. Um, those being Phoenix, uh, Shiva, Ifrit, Titan, um, Leviathan, Garuda, uh, Odin, and Bahamut. Um, and so those are. Good job, man. Well, I, well, it's just because I've played Final Fantasy all my life. So <laughs> these, are, these are like summons I've like seen in every single game. Um, but I think more so than before, this game is very centralized on those summons. Like uh, this is a game that is almost revolving around um, these icons um, because they are. You know, even the logo is Ifrit versus Phoenix. Like it's it's like um, in the game there are characters called Dominance, and this isn't spoilers, but there are characters called Dominance that 
basically have harnessed or have been birthed and blessed with the power to transform into these icons, into these um, powerful creatures. And they're, they're either completely despised by the world or seen as like the highest level of authority, depending on what kingdom you you live in. Um, and they really kind of help make or break the world of Final Fantasy 16, um, Valestia. And in this world, everyone is dependent upon these giant crystal landscapes called the Mother Crystals, which... In every Final Fantasy game, crystals are a huge aspect of the world in it. Um, but I would say that this is the first time that a Final Fantasy game has kind of given a more uh, shadowy or negative aspect to crystals than ever before. Uh, this is a very harsh, dark, bleak world. Um, and in some ways, it's like very unfun to play through because it's just like, man, like everyone sucks in this world <laughs> like every, like outside of your friends like everyone is so either evil prejudiced like it is a and i get why they did it because they it is very much a game about you know tearing down the world order and rebuilding a world of peace and equality and the only way to do that is to destroy it like 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 basically like no pun intended like scorched earth like we need to just take the world down to its bare level and restart because this world is not worth saving um and interesting background yeah like it's um i actually liked it but it's it's also just unlike any other Final Fantasy game, Final Fantasy, at least in my opinion, there's definitely dark moments in it, but it's balanced with like moments of levity and humor and romance and stuff like that. There's really none of that in this game. This game is very Game of Thrones. Like this is like political intrigue. Uh, you don't know who to trust. Violent. There are like people who are evil for just the sake of being evil, I guess. Like, and and I think that for me, that's one of the the parts that's very disappointing about the game. There there are characters in this game that are just evil, like like there's no rhyme or reason for it. And I'm like, okay, well, like why? Like why is Annabella such a despicable human being? Like what what is the reason? Like is she just and and there is no reason. The reason is literally that just because she's a terrible human being. Yeah. And it's like well, that's not a great and character. The game, right? <laughs> game doesn't give too much background. Or anything they're just it's just like no, hey, this, at is least, this person and they're just evil yeah at least none that i've seen so far and i think the excuse that's kind of given to the majority of antagonists in this game that i've at least seen so far is that they are all just kind of dependent on the easy way out of like mm -hmm. okay this is I want to have control of this giant mother crystal, so I'm going to raid this kingdom, take it over, and then we can just enjoy the resources of the mother crystal and just live in, like, you know, the highest status that we possibly can. And that's really it. And I feel like that's very lazy character yeah. writing, yeah. in my opinion. Like, I don't, I, I can't sympathize or even be interested in a villain that doesn't have a reason as to why they're doing something. The The real villain of the game is the only one that is really interesting. I, I don't want to reveal who or what it is, but 
I'm interested in that villain because it's like, okay, but like, what, what is he doing? Like, what, what is he doing with all these other like characters at play? Um, but yeah, like the game just feels very unbalanced. Um, you know, the combat is excellent. Um, you know, I, I think that the story for the most part is compelling. It's just, it doesn't always grab me. Um, I like the voice, the voice acting is great. Uh, and this is like one of those rare games where, you know, they actually did the voice in English first before Japanese, which was very interesting. Oh, that's cool. I did not know that. Yeah, I didn't know. I, I realized that when I like read a review the other day, hmm. that they did that. They did the dub first before they did the sub, which is very cool. Um, but yeah, uh, you know, I have more to say about it, but I feel like I've been talking for a while, but like... Peter, what what other thoughts do you have about it other than what I mentioned so far? Um, well, I I feel like the voices are are definitely excellent, especially some of the people you get really close to. Um, but again, like they really fail in terms of like animating the faces. Mm-hmm. Um, Outside of like big cuts, yeah. I feel like Final Fantasy growing up used to be like ahead of the game in terms of like how people looked um, like when they talked. Um, and now it seems like they're behind in the game. Um, and there are not many games out there that really get um, expressions correct in games. And there's still a lot of Uncanny Valley in oh, yeah. most games, including like even the Starfield trailer we saw. Like, it still had like typical Bethesda fashion, like, like, uh, like soulless eye stare, and um, yeah, with like no like, head. Seems like eyes are like one of the hardest things for game developers to do. I have no idea how hard yeah. making games yeah, and... are, but definitely seems like no one can really do well with eyes, and it's so weird. Something about that just takes me out of so many important moments in these like heavy story-driven games nowadays. <laughs> That, like, I really feel a lot more emotion when it comes to a game that's, like, in a pixelated style versus, um, or, uh, really just, like, anything that's not trying to be 3D. (laughs) It just seems like there's so much uncanny valley, and so I get taken out of the game story a lot. Um, I am all for the combat, like, really, that's, like, the main ride of this game for me. Like, when you get into some of the biggest fights... It really just makes me want the game to be only like a fighting game, because <laughs> the the mechanics of the fighting just are insanely, insanely well done, and uh, yeah, I, I guess some of the story too is just it does get a little bit at least where I'm at right now. It's it's kind of confusing. It's starting to feel like in. Uh, in recent, you know, Final Fantasy or Square Enix style, it's starting to turn into like one of those like, um, you know, Kingdom Hearts uh, storylines where you you got like so many you know, showing up left and right from like fifteen organizations. <laughs> um, uh, not to the extent of that, literally. Like that's definitely a stretch, but it's it seems like it's starting to go down that route uh, halfway through the game. So um, it'll be interesting to see what what exactly, where they go with everything. Yeah. It doesn't captivate me, I guess. Though. Yeah, so I guess, like, 
um, as someone who is not playing the game, I think maybe some things that I'd be curious to hear, like if you guys could, let's just pick the top two things that you think the game does right. Um, Max, we can start with you. What, what would you say are the top two things, in your opinion, that this game does right? Um, whether it's a, maybe something that they've done for the first time, that's cool. It doesn't have to be, but just kind of, you know, we're, we're like the top two or maybe top three if if that helps. No, for sure. I mean, like I said, there's a lot of things I love about the game as to why I'm still enjoying playing it. I, I think for me, um, the writing I actually find really well done um, is what. Yep. He press. I think his first one, though, was the writing, which is great. Uh, Final Fantasy has definitely been known for. Uh, I like for the, the high points for me. Um, the writer of this game is this. Oh, am I back? Yeah, yeah, yeah you're back. Am I back now? Okay, cool. Um, no, you're right, Tyler. I, I was saying the writing. Yeah, I. It's you know this game is written by the same person that did a lot of the story DLC for um, or story expansions, I should say, for Final Fantasy fourteen. Uh, I believe it's the same writer for Vagrant Story, which is an old PS one game. It's really a lot of the same team that has done like the Ivalice, uh country of Final Fantasy. So their stories tend to be a lot more dark, um, a lot more medieval, European, um, political intrigue kind of style. Um, and I find that the dialogue is really well written. I really like the way that the characters speak, um, how they really, you know, talk about their situation in a way that feels very human. Uh, in a way that feels very, um, it, it feels sometimes when I'm watching cutscenes like I'm I'm watching a movie. I've never once in the game felt like I have in previous Final Fantasy games or in really any kind of JRPG. This like weird like anime translation scene, you know what I mean? Of like where like characters are talking and it just feels very like awkward and like you're like oh this is a very big anime moment right here where they just didn't know how to translate the Japanese to English and. Um, I think part of that, I'm sure, is because this was first written for English. Um, and that was to a big benefit, I think, in that regard. But I really love the way that the characters talk and how they interact with each other in the game. Um, the second thing I really love is the active lore. Um, there's like this really cool feature where at any point in the game, within a cutscene or whether you're on you know, the main map moving around, you can like hold down the, um, the dash button on your controller and it'll bring up like a few circles of, um, lore that you can read kind of like when you pause a show in Amazon prime and you can like see all the, all the actors information of the characters that are on the screen at that given moment. Um, and so like you, it, this is a very, I mean, as much as, as weird as I agree with Peter, where the, I feel like the world building isn't that great i feel like they do a good job of explaining where you are at any given time who you're with what you're going up against to a point where i since i actively like eat that kind of stuff up i have a full understanding of the countries because you're it's basically like a battle between five different nations in this game all fighting for resources so you there's a lot to really kind of wrap your head around um very game of thrones in that sense right um but I feel like I've never been lost. And I, I think a lot of that is, is 
thanks to this active lore system that they have, which I, I really love. It's um one of the one of the best I've seen. Um, yeah, the little bit that I um I did play of it, I did think that part was uh was pretty cool. So yeah, I, I enjoyed that feature. It seems like um a feature that could be utilized in future games uh, very very well. Yes, I hope they keep it because I I would say that's one of the highlights of the game for sure. And then thirdly and lastly, I would say the combat. You know, I think that you know the combat was created by the same person that does the Devil May Cry games, and it shows. Yeah. Like, this is a very action-oriented battle system, um, very different from, I would say, even Final Fantasy XV, um, whereas Final Fantasy XV felt a little loose um, and more Kingdom Hearts-ish, I would say. This feels way more direct, like Devil May Cry, where you really kind of have to... You don't have to get good, but the game rewards you for getting good you, you know like to really explore the different abilities you obtain from the icons and i think that's why at no point in the game so far have i felt the combat has gotten stale is because the game does a good job of like every time you take down a you know a big enemy and like absorb their power you gain three to four new abilities that you can then utilize and combine with your other ones to like make new combos and stuff like that so like, as an example, one of Garuda's abilities in the game is called, like, um, uh, it's called, like, some kind of wheel gambit. I, I can't remember the full game, the full name of it. But you basically, like, juggle the enemy into the air and you follow up with them and you're in the air and, like, doing, like, a whirlwind attack kind of thing. And there's another ability that you get later on in the game after you get Titan's powers called Upheaval where you like create like a giant rock fist and then like fall to the ground and like create this big earth shattering like um impact and what the game tells you if you read into the abilities is that upheaval does more damage the higher you are in the air when you when you do the attack and so it's one of those yeah so it's like one of those things where like you could play around with it in its arcade mode and I realized, like, oh, if I use Wheels Gambit to jump really high in the air and then immediately follow with upheaval, I'm going to do a massive amount of damage to enemies. And so the game really rewards you to kind of by like combining and utilizing its um, abilities differently each and every time. Uh, and every ability is different and is effective in its own way. It really is just kind of a mix and match of what works best for you. Um, like, there's you know, there's abilities that are all around. Um, you know, counterattacking. There are abilities that are all about like precision dodging, um, just hack and slash abilities. Like, very, like there, it's all over the map. But the game does a very great job of kind of showing the effects of it. Um, and it's kind of addicting. To Peter's point, like, the, like it, I get excited every time I'm going into combat because I'm like, oh, this is. It's always fun to fight. Um, which I, you know, I, I'm kind of glad that they mastered that in this game. Because um, if they didn't, I, I would probably have a much lower rating of it. <laughs> yeah. but, you know, I, I would say that those are my my three main things. And then, what about you, Peter? What do you find is like your top three uh, features of the game? Um, probably the boss fights. Mm. Uh, that's number one. Oh yeah, that's what keeps me going, and. Um, they change every boss fight, so it's it's not the same mechanic. I mean, significantly, like not even on the same plane of 
gameplay for every boss fight. Yeah, you really have to kind of into. figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. And it's that's pretty cool. Um also the I guess uh I, I think they did the difficulty in this game really well. I really like the rings that they allow you to use in the beginning. Um, mm, yep. Tyler, from your suggestion, I, I've been using that dodge um, quick time action event ring, and I kind of just keep it on always because for me it makes the game really fun. I, I personally feel like every single heavy attack that might punish me and help me learn as a player or whatever you know, actually feels a little bit more fun for me going through the game in a more of a casual mode because uh, I get to actually see all of those attacks and yeah. like in slow motion and it kind of makes it look way cooler Yeah. because you get to see like, especially the boss fights, like what they were actually trying to hit you with and you're like, whoa! And like, and it's still, you can still miss the quick time event. Some of them go by quite kind of fast or rap in rapid succession. And yeah. so, like, it still makes me feel, like, challenging enough to where I'm not feeling punished, like Dark Souls. But I feel like I'm, like, I'm just this this epic combatant. And um, uh, the, the last thing I would say is probably the... Um, the fact that, the, like, the how they design the characters in this game, like, particularly your character. I really like like who you are um i haven't felt that way since i played crisis core like with mm-hmm. or or i guess technically like final fantasy 7 remake you know playing as cloud was really fun but i didn't you know i didn't really feel like final fantasy f- uh was it 15 yeah uh, i i felt like the character was cool but i didn't feel like i felt that cool playing as them um Especially, I don't really remember too many of like the weapons you get, or if they even change based on new weapons that you get in that game. But in this game, when you get new weapons, like they get, they, you look pretty decked out pretty quickly on in the game. Like you just look like a badass, and uh, yeah. and you feel like a is badass. It's just the um, it's just the weapons that change. Do out, the outfits don't change? Your correct. outfits do change. Oh, they do. Uh, yeah. A little bit. A little like... bit. Yeah, tiny bits, yeah. Oh, gotcha. Well, it has a significant change like at from one point to another in the story. Yes, um, that is true. Uh, like but, very, yeah. But yeah. not often. Like it, it happens like once. So far where I'm at, it happens like twice. Um, and, uh, and then, of course, you like... You do have progression in the game. Like your character gets... Grows up. Um at multiple times in the story and and usually that takes that that only happens in these games like near the end mm-hmm. um but it's fun playing as your character almost like in his peak state like or, or in his prime like that, for the majority of the story like in fights and whatnot that is that's actually a great point peter because like i didn't even think of it that way because you're right like in this game you are basically playing as one character clive and you play as him at 15, there's a time jump, and then he's 28. And then there's another time jump, and he's 32 or 33. Um, so you're basically following him. 
his entire young to adult life. And at first, the game very much makes it seem like this is going to be a typical revenge story of like, I'm going to, you know, find the one who did this and kill them, like, you know, just hell bent on a revenge. And the game, um, I wouldn't say surprisingly, but refreshingly, kind of closes that arc very quickly. It's like, oh, okay, this isn't about revenge anymore. This is about, like, making a better world and, like, not allowing the world to stay the course that it's on to self-destruction. Like, Clive is, like, basically, like, taking on the burden to, like, make the world face itself and demands it to be better. Um, and, like, there's actually a great line in it where, like, you know, he's he saves people in this moment and they hate him for it. And they're like... Well, you know, we didn't ask for your help. You're only making things worse for us. And, you know, they leave and one of your partners in the game is like really upset. And she's like, like, this is getting tiring. Like, like, why are we doing this when all we get is hate in return? And he's like, I don't do it for the gratitude. I do it to, because I'm making a better world for them in the future, for their kids, for their children. And um, like his his passion and his, I guess, drive to, like it, it's just very refreshing. You don't see a lot of heroes like that that are willing to become like kind of the world's villain to truly make a better world. Um, and yeah, I would say Clive is a great protagonist. Like he's he, like he's very well developed. It's a shame that you don't have a lot of other well developed characters outside of him. But right. he he himself is a great character uh, in the game. I like playing as him. Yeah, it sounds like they. Um... I mean, they went all in on the main character, which isn't necessarily a terrible thing. Um, there has definitely been games in the past where the opposite has happened, where yep. some people have dove very deep into not the main character. Um, and I feel like that's a little bit more, less desired. So at least the main character has pretty good depth. And um, I think the fact that you do get to traverse through different age ranges with them only just kind of reinforces... Uh, yourself to be able to kind of learn more about them um i mean you can even you know it's it's not like they have like deep stories by no means but even when you play older games like like the fable series where you do the same you know you start as like a kid you become a teenager and become an adult like something about when video games allow you to travel through age um it's just like fun uh but i I like that Final Fantasy kind of, at least this new one, did it where you get larger chunks of time with those different age ranges, like 15. It wasn't until like literally the very end when they did just like a pretty weird age gap, and then age jump. But, yeah. By that time, you're kind of like, yeah, this game's boring. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> yeah, I don't really care about that. But yeah. Yeah, but at least like with this, it's like, oh wow, his teenage years, you understand his background. His 20s, you get it. And now in his 30s, it's it's cool. It's it's definitely a good way uh, to try and tackle age progression in a video game. So that sounds cool. Um, is there like, what about the game? Cause you guys both, you know, are in the sevens as far as like your range, uh, or your overall score goes. And so obviously that's not a perfect 10. Um, what could have made this game closer to a 10? If maybe, you know, around that, like more nine, 10 range, like what, what would you, you know, if 
maybe not necessarily the developers, but if whoever was in charge of this Final Fantasy 16 game was kind of on the podcast today and they asked you, you know, like, hey, what could we have done to make this a 10 out of 10? Uh, what would you what would you say to them? I would say make a fully developed world. Like, you know, you, you spend so much time on all of this lore and, you know, different factions of kingdoms. And it's like, it's all well and good. And it's like, okay, like this stuff makes sense. But the actual world that you're playing in does not feel alive. Um, you know, there there are so many towns that you go to that are just empty. Like there there's nothing, there's literally nothing to do. There's maybe a shop that you can shop at. A, a, a key like quest character that you always go to like Martha um, but then the rest of the town is literally just kind of uh, like a husk there's there's NPCs and there's characters but you don't really interact with them they kind of just are constantly doing the same thing it's one of those weird things where I almost compare it and I, I really shouldn't compare it to Tears of the Kingdom but just how Tears of the Kingdom like almost to a molecular level lets you interact with its world and like manipulate it how you want and honestly a lot of jrpgs do this now i it bothers me that i can walk into a a town see a wooden box and can't smash it with my sword like i'll just swing my sword and it just like it's like it just bleeds through it like not like it's not even there and so it immediately breaks the immersion for me like oh okay so i'm basically just on a like a an empty plane right now with like I couldn't even figure out how to swing my sword in the town. I don't. I don't think I could do that. No, you can't. But like, I'm. I'm thinking about like when you're like in castle dungeon areas yeah. and you see oh, stuff yeah. like that, and you're just like, like, like the game is very yeah. linear. Yeah, it also has like is, no. It has no reason to, to go off like, the really and explore. Yeah, like any yeah. any that you find of like a rare chest or just a rare item on the ground. Any of those items can just be found following the main path and like killing other enemies like there is yeah, zero no reason <laughs> i yeah. found two gill by walking 30 miles this way yeah. <laughs> like yeah it's it's that and it's like and i was talking with peter about this the other day over the phone they they show so many events and and story moments in in cutscenes of like these beautiful looking cities like huge cities that look amazing and like castles. And I'm like, whoa, I can't wait to raid that castle or like to like, or to go like walk this town and like see what, what's going on over there. And it's like the game bypasses that where it's just like, oh, like we'll show you this town in this cutscene and show you that it's a big place, but you're not actually going to interact in there. You're going to kind of skip it and go right to the dungeon. And yeah. it's just like, that just seems so weird like like i i don't like i get it like you're trying to tell a very like linear story but it just makes the game feel pace wise very uneven it doesn't make it feel like an rpg if anything i feel like i'm just playing an episode by episode and like game of thrones tv show in a sense like and i don't i don't come to final fantasy for that you know i want to be immersed and like travel towns and like talk with people and like Honestly, if that was the only thing that they changed and and made better, this would be one of my favorite games of the year. Like it's literally it's literally as simple as that. Just better gameplay of like exploration and world building. That's all I needed, and everything else like would have held itself up. 
Although I will say the music is kind of a letdown. There's a there's like a few really great, beautiful tracks, but otherwise the music is. Wow, it's surprising. Yeah, it's really honestly kind of infuriating for me because for me, Final Fantasy is its music. Like it, like for for those who may not know, uh, Max's wife walked down the aisle to a Final Fantasy song. So if it shows anything of what Final Fantasy music means to Max, is a very big deal that this game kind of sucks in the in the uh, in the soundtrack department. That's really sad to hear. Yeah, it's just the soundtrack, you know, I think a lot of it is because my favorite tracks of Final Fantasy are from Nobu Uematsu, who is a genius. But, you know, I there are some great tracks. I will not I will not take that away from it. But for the most part, the tracks are very muted, very kind of in the background. You don't really notice it. Um, and what's weird is that it doesn't seem like there are a lot of songs in the game because there are key moments in cutscenes or, or moments of... Um, you know, really emotional things are supposed to be happening, but the music they're playing really kind of does not give the impact it should to a scene. And it kind of takes you out of the, takes you out of the emotion of it, Um, which is very frustrating. But there is this one track called Find the Flame, which is like this orchestral, honestly sounds like grumbling from attack on titan like it's just like it is awesome like i love this track and like i looked up the i looked up the um lyrics to this song and they're freaking awesome <laughs> of find the flame um because it's clive's clive's song i guess um but any song that has orchestral and like people singing i'm uh i'm all for yeah but what about yeah. you peter what would what would like like I mean, let's say maybe it's the same as um, as Max's. Which Max, I think your camera. Oh, oh, I was turning on my light. I think there. your camera too, Tyler. Um, yeah, I can't have my camera on in um, Discord or else it won't appear on OBS oh, for okay. the uh, for the stream. Um, yeah. So I mean, outside of what Max has said, I know you kind of feel the same way. Do you have like any other things that you would add? Right, if like the developer was in here and asked you, like, how could I make this game a ten? Anything else you would uh you would add into that? No, I think it's really the same exact thing he said. Yeah. World building is like the biggest thing. And what's funny is that I can think of like Final Fantasy Crystal Chronicles. I feel like I had way, I had more world building in that game, <laughs> like a game that's really dear to me. Um, Music's like, incredible. Very yeah, and music. Both of those topics. Like that's the two, those are two things that really make a Final Fantasy game, um, and that goes into like the design of the characters, the enemies, and the and the landscapes, and then the music around all that, and um, and it just wasn't there. I mean, one of the um, one of the largest places that opens up to you in the game is ugly, like. I almost I want to say ugly because it's like a it's like a uh, what would you call it? like a a wetland yeah and it's like a, like like just, a wetland area it's just flat kind of near the beach but it's just very foggy and moggy and it's flat the enemies are generic in that area and like half of them are just like little insects that are flying around that they hardly had any design put into them. And uh, and that's like one of the first largest areas that opens up to you. And um, 
it's just an odd choice. And, um, I, you know, just to compare again to Final Fantasy Crystal Chronicles, like a, a just another Final Fantasy game I know really well. It's just like the landscapes in that game change constantly. You're in a grassy area and then you're in a deserty area. You're in like a medieval kingdom looking area. You know, the biggest change that I've noticed, you know, going from like in environment design, it goes from like this, you know, landscape kingdom that you're sort of mainly walking around in to like you sort of explore like a cave system. And that was kind of a fun change of um, of design. The cave was pretty well done and kind of made it, it. It was designed really well and had a had a couple of parts that like really opened up and made it feel like Dark Souls um, style. Like mm. you're you're like things are larger than life and you're like this is just this puny thing compared to this huge backdrop. And and Max probably knows exactly what I'm talking about when it comes to that. But um, so that was cool, but. Like the majority of the game, like up until fifty percent, was just bland landscapes. Yeah. And yeah, I don't remember a single song up until yeah. now. Nothing. I can't. I can't for the life of me think think of what music played. It, just probably some like action music. That's all I can remember. <laughs> interesting. Yeah. yeah, it's you know, it's interesting. Interesting the way that this Final Fantasy kind of turned out. I mean, you know, not to say like sevens are bad scores by no means. I mean, seven, at least in my opinion, right? You have five being your average. Uh, seven is well above in the uh, above average range. Uh, seven is pretty good nowadays, considering a lot of games tend to seems seems like a lot of games tend to flop. Um, I guess like the only thing that I can add myself into the mix of. Um, maybe if anybody is wondering why I'm not playing the game, uh, I did give it a try. Uh, I just I got really bored. Uh, the cutscenes to me, unfortunately, were just too much. Um, I don't know if their cutscene to combat ratio gets better, but I am always a proponent of when somebody tells me, "Hey, this thing gets better after three episodes." I'm like, "Well, I'm sorry. Episode one is episode one for a reason." Uh, if I'm not getting hooked there, why do I want to keep waiting? Uh, and yeah, the the cutscene yeah. to combat ratio for me was just it's, it's just bad. Um, I I am not a visual novel style video game player. Um, Peter and Max, they definitely are, um, but I think they they both definitely know that like a visual novel game is noted as a visual novel game. It's like when you go in there expecting that, right? That's what you're gonna get uh, with Final Fantasy. I expected really cool cutscenes for sure. But I did not expect, I did not expect to like play for five minutes and then watch stuff for another twenty, and then play for like ten minutes and then watch for like another ten. Uh, I was just kind of was like, well, if I wanted to watch a movie, I would have just watched a movie. So <laughs> I I ended up just getting kind of bored, um, which is probably like the only really the only thing I can give into the the Final Fantasy uh, sixteen discussion. Um, I think if you look on YouTube, uh, it ranges from anywhere from, I'd say, 17 to 20 hours uh, worth of cutscene time in that game. And according, which, you know, how long to beat, uh, I feel like it's it's an okay estimate of how long games are. It seems like your average gamer is beating this game 
anywhere rapidly at 20 out 20 25 hours uh to casually around 35 to 40 um so with that in mind of that 35 to 40 it's kind of crazy that half the time it takes you to beat the game sometimes more is just because of cutscene, and i'm like well i mean you know that's what they want to do that's what they want to do unfortunately that's just that is not the kind of game i am interested in uh so that is why i ended up just kind of dropping it myself um i also did have performance issues i am someone who i don't know if it's motion sickness i got like this in vr as well uh, but i've always had problems with motion blur it is the very first setting that i turn off in literally any video game that i play uh, and the motion blur for me was unfortunately pretty bad. Uh, I heard that it's either fixed now or there's options now, but for me it was already too late. I, I mean, it's I'm really glad that they fixed it, uh, but it's by no means nowhere going to bring me back into playing that game. Uh, nor will I probably ever <laughs> get back into that game. But sevens around, seven, seven and a halfs, uh, pretty good scores from the Colin All Nerd crew. Uh, it is definitely a good game, and maybe, uh, you know, take it for what you will. Try to game out if you want. Um, maybe if your friends got it, maybe you can borrow it from them. Just see what you think about it first. But, yeah, so not too bad. Um, next up on the deck, though, thought we could maybe quickly chat about some Spider-Man news. Uh, yeah. Nothing too crazy. Uh, we, but just kind of, you know, there is now a new storyline trailer story. Yeah. Story. How do they call it? They just say like storyline trailers nowadays. I get uh, so confused with all these trailer names. I know. It's a, yeah, it's a story trailer. Story yeah. trailer. Okay. So a story trailer just dropped yesterday, which was July 20th, 2023. Along with that, they have announced two additional products i think might be the right way um there is obviously the base game of spider-man 2 for 69.99 you can get the spider-man 2 collector's edition box for 229 dollars this box includes marvel spider-man 2 full game digital voucher code a steel book display case 19 inch collector edition statue featuring spider-man peter parker spider-man miles morales and venom includes the pre-order bonuses of the Arachnite suit for Peter, early unlock. Shadow Spider suit for Miles, early unlock. Which means, I am assuming that means you can get it in-game anyways. It just gives it to you right away. Uh, these yeah. do look cool, but it's kind of dumb that it's a pre-order bonus. Web Grabber, early unlock, plus three skill points. And you also get the digital deluxe content, which is ten unique suits, five for each of Miles and Peter. Additional photo mode items, plus two skill points. And then you get the... So the Peter Parker suits are an Aratinia suit by Raph Grassetti. A punkalyptic suit designed by Gerard Marantz. Tactical suit designed by Joel Mandish. Which, let me just point out, this is actually kind of cool. They're telling you who designed these suits. Uh, Stone monkey suit by Victoria Ying. 25th century designed by Anthony Francisco. And then for Miles Morales, you get Encoded Suit by Chris Anka, Biochemical Suit by Gerard What as well, Toku, Tokusatsu Suit by Julia Blattman, Aga, Agamot, man, I am butchering these, Suit designed by Anthony Francisco, and Red Spectre Suit designed by Sweeney Boo. 
so the collector's edition box was announced. It looks pretty interesting. $229 is absolutely ridiculous. But hey, people really like getting them statues. And then last but not least, before we start talking about the trailer itself, they also announced PlayStation 5's, I believe, first uh, themed console to be released. I think, right? They don't. I don't think they've had anything else yet. It's always just been white or the blacks. I don't think they've had a themed console. Yeah, I'm trying to think if we have. The only other game that I can think of that might have gotten one was God of War, but I think, I think, that think might it was just, just the box. I think it was just the box. Yeah. Yeah. I so. So then PlayStation, who has been known to do this as well, I mean, Xbox does this as well, and I mean, everybody does it, Switch, doesn't matter, but PS5's first themed PlayStation 5 is also going to be released. I think it's only the big one with the um, with the disc, if I'm not mistaken, at least all the photos are showing the disc version, but maybe I'm wrong, um, but it's pretty cool. It features, obviously, it is a black case with, like, um, some red on it. You see, like, some Venom tendrils. You know, you can Google it. It looks really cool, and it comes with a Spider-Man edition PS5 controller, which I'm really hoping, really hoping they sell separately, because uh, that does look really good and i think worth the price tag for um it's got it's a black controller with again red kind of on the side it's got like white buttons for your x square triangle and circle uh, it's got like a really cool spider-man logo right on the face on the uh, touch i touchpad there uh, it's a really cool controller so the trailer kind of opened that up to the floor again that game is coming out in october on the t- uh, 20th and yeah I would say the trailer, if you have not watched it, it is really cool. It's shorter than the gameplay one because you don't really need to show too much. It's all just kind of content, I would say, is the best way to kind of summarize it. And what you finally get to see is who... We're pretty sure we at least see who Venom is actually being attached to. Uh, We know that Venom attaches to Peter at some point. I'm not sure still if it's full Venom or just like a part of Venom, since Venom is a symbiotic being, he can detach and he doesn't have to be anywhere actually himself. He can spread his seed, per se. Uh, So we don't know if full Venom is still attached to Peter or not, Um, but we do get uh, some insight into Mr. Osborne's son, who is, or not Mr. Osborne, yeah, yeah. Is that their last name? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Norman Osborne. Norman, yeah, yeah. So you get into, uh, you, you see that it is Harry Peters Parker's best friend, who is back from the dead, I would say, because no one has heard from him in forever in the first game, if you played the first one. he It's like, it's assumed he's traveling, but then, like, literally until the end of the game, I actually thought he was dead. I was like, I don't think this guy's alive anymore. It feels like we're just, like, doing... Right, because all you hear is, like, those audio logs. It felt so morbid. I was like, this this dude's dead. Uh, and then, the, obviously, at the end of the game, you see that he is just in a pod of water in his dad's mansion. But anyway, so he is in the trailer. It's very strongly hinted that it is Harry who is talking with um, 
Venom himself. And it looks like the main storyline of this game is typical Venom storyline. Venom, for those who may not know, is actually an alien from a different planet. Venom fears absolutely no one except for Carnage. Uh, Venom feeds off of brains. That is how Venom gets its power. It goes to different planets and feeds off everything there, every living life form. And it sounds like the way that Venom is getting kind of the one over on Harry is that he is going to help Harry cleanse the world and make it better. Um, I would assume there's probably going to be some ties to maybe his mom as to why he is feeling sentimental about it. Maybe Venom kind of coaxes him and tricks him into thinking, you know, oh, your mom died of this. Well, I can make that never happen. Let's clean this yeah. world up, right? So I'm assuming there may be something right there. Um, we see Mary J again. Obviously, we see Miles. Um, it sounds like there's some, you know, Miles is looking up to Peter a lot. There could be some moments where Miles actually needs to save Peter, and, you know, Peter has a hard time asking for help, so there's probably going to be some of that going on. But overall, if you have not watched it, uh, it is really good. It is a cool trailer. It I think it's like two and a half, maybe three minutes long, and yeah. it's it's solid. What, uh, what, what, did, what did you think about the, the trailer, Max? I, I loved it. I mean, it's it's everything that I want from a Spider-Man game. <laughs> yeah, um, so cool. You know, I love I loved the first Spider-Man video game so much. Like, I've already I've replayed this game like at least three times, <laughs> um, just because I love Spider-Man. I, I love everything about his story, the the character. Um, I love what you were just saying about Harry kind of saying at the beginning of the trailer, "I want let let's save this world," like because yeah. he. he and I think one of the reasons why in the world of Spider-Man, the, both the heroes and villains are very genius-level individuals. Like, yes. pretty much everyone that you deal with in the world, and I say the world of Spider-Man because I feel like Spider-Man is very much like Batman, where it's like he's so big he almost has a universe in and of itself um, in terms of popularity and the number of villains that he has. You know, Spider-Man is a very filled world of tragic villains like people that just had one really bad day yeah. and went the wrong way and um it always tends to have something to do with animals too it really <laughs> does but um you That's know funny. i scorpion vulture yeah it really does vulture, they're all they're all animal um except for venom but he's an alien so i'll, I'll count that um but you know it, it's one of those things where I love what you're saying about how Harry is already in this mindset of, I lost my mom to this disease. I have the disease. I want to cure this for the world. Like I want to do this. And you, they kind of plant the seeds of that in the first game, because there's all these environment um, oh, quests yeah. yep. that you do that. Harry has kind of created these things that really help keep the economy, not economy, excuse me. The environment. The, um, the, thank you. Yeah. The environment of Manhattan clean yeah like the um, physical environment not like game physical environment, environment. Like, yeah, yeah physical environment air quality um, water quality like the actual environment. yeah exactly he seems a lot more humanitarian than norman yeah. uh like he's very much like i want to make the world a better place and to Which your point did stem I, from his mom i think for yeah, the most part because i think it, he mentions her mom, his mom a lot in those yeah and i 
you know, in the trailer, it does show that Harry is back. Um, there, I think there's a very quick scene where it looks like he's like kind of walking on a crutch. Like you can tell he's very, he's very weak um, physically. Um, not in the best of health still. He's recovering. And I think Venom could be a very um, seductive... It, seductive is kind of a weird word, but like, it, it, like it, it's 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 he has a, a silver tongue. It's a silver tongue. Yeah, he can say like like take me on. You will get the power you need yeah. to save the world. And that's why at the end of the trailer, when it when it's Venom's voice oh. in in the third person saying we will, oh man, we will cleanse the world. I was like, oh god, here how, we go. Because dude, how good is that Venom voice actor? It's oh, so good. My word. I, I think the thing I'm cool. the most the I think the thing I'm most excited for is I think this is the first time I'm finally gonna get the Venom game I've always wanted. Yeah. Like like the yeah. Venom story in a video game I've always wanted. Like I have no doubt they'll deliver it. Um you know, I I think that it's just it just shows the tragic story, right? Of like you know, we're gonna try and have to save Harry. Yeah. But who knows? They could be kind of throwing us for a loop and like maybe it's not Harry. Maybe they're just trying to kind of yeah, yeah. go down the weird path. I, I have no doubt at some point that um Miles and Peter are gonna clash. They're gonna for fight. Sure. They have um, strongly I feel like hinted yeah. at that a lot and not even just this the uh, gameplay trailer too. Just really funny. Oh that. yeah. Well and it, it, yeah the gameplay trailer where it's like when Peter has the symbiote consuming his suit like he becomes angrier and he becomes more violent and oh. aggressive you know what i just and thought so... about because doesn't um like venom has a weakness right like i know in the original first three like the third spider-man movie it was like sound that like got him he's very sensitive to sound he's sensitive to sound yeah i wouldn't be surprised if like miles and peter like fight each other but like, because you know how Miles has like special powers. Like maybe he uses like something, maybe with like electricity to like trigger sound to try yeah. to like get the symbiote like out that. like out of Peter, and like that's gonna be their fight. Yeah, I, I feel I like Miles totally... is gonna save save Peter for oh, sure. Oh yeah, he, that clash is gonna be what frees Peter from yeah. the symbiote, and yeah. then the symbiote will attach to Harry most likely or something yeah. like that. But I'm I'm honestly. And that's just like the core story, right? I'm excited for Craven uh, oh, as, like, yeah. as like the as the B villain. You know, like I'm excited for the lizard. Um, every villain that like, there's going to be a few villains in this game, just like there were in the first. And I think we're going to get a lot of cool twists. Um, you know, I actually you had mentioned as we were chatting earlier that wouldn't it be crazy if Mary Jane was Carnage? Carnage, <laughs> like yeah. thing, and. As awful as I don't want that to happen, that would be a crazy <laughs> twist to lead us into the third game. Because for me, it's like this is inevitable that in the third game we are going to have Green Goblin, um, and it's we're going to have yeah, yeah it's got to be it, it, we're going to have Green Goblin and we're going to have Carnage, yeah. um, because there is that part of me that is eighty percent sure that Harry is most likely going to die. Um, yeah, whether self-sacrificing to like stop Venom, you know, yeah. within himself, or I, I just I don't see this ending well for yeah. Harry. Um, and this, you know, Spider-Man universe—they don't pull punches um, when they don't. Die. 
No, when uh, um, the first game, which yeah. look, it the first game came out like 2018, I think, right? I'm, I'm just gonna yeah. say it. 2017, 2018. All right, well, fair game. Now I'm saying it. So obviously his grandma oh, yeah. passes away in the first one, and oh my gosh, does it pull up the heartstrings? <laughs> it is. Dude, I teared up. I was like, this is. Uh, P- I think Peter. You you came in the living room and watched it with me, right? I think because I think you were like working, and then like after work, I was like, "Oh, I'm, I'm beating the game right now," and you're like, "Oh, cool." We just like sat like watched it. It, it was oh, it was so crazy. It's so good when you can like almost quote a scene word for word, like no, when his yeah. when when he wanted to give that medicine to her so so bad, bad. and just and, knew he could he shouldn't, and that's why he's the best like is I he always spider-man's he my favorite made... marvel marvel uh superhero he always has been i think and that's so the thing cool. like peter peter always makes the right choice no matter how detrimental it is to his personal life yeah and that's the thing like like peter is always like living like beneath his means in a way he is yeah, he always lives in like, a crummy apartment. <laughs> right. Like he's always sacrificing his well being for, for others. And I think that Miles I, I'm very excited because I know Miles is not gonna let him fall. Yeah, he cares about him way too much. He cares about him way too much. And it, it, this is very much like how the first game's sub quote was be greater. Mm. In this game it's be greater together. That's cool. And so this and it's Miles and Peter on the yeah. on the cover. This is very much a game of they have to lift each other up. They have to both be together to be able to beat Venom, because Peter can't do it alone. Oh man, um, yeah, yeah. And I yeah. I told Max and Peter earlier um, since I did not play Final Fantasy so far. Still, Tears of the Kingdom is my game of the year. Uh, there is still Baldur's Gate three, Starfield, and uh, Spider Man around to change that. And I was telling the both of them, you know, if this game reduces or gets rid of or, you know, just reinvents it in a better way of all those, like, menial, just, like, tasks that you had to do. I mean, this game could easily become my game of the year. It's just, like, if they have that stuff again, oof, that's... It's going to be, like, kind of how you guys feel with, like, Final Fantasy, like your equivalent of like the world building that you wish you had, I feel like it's going to be my equivalent of you guys made this way too repetitive and annoying. <laughs> I can't, I can't give you guys a perfect right. score. So hopefully uh, they kind of got rid of that. Cause I mean, I, I love me some collectibles. I do, but I don't mm-hmm. think you need to do so many like collectible style things. Like I shouldn't have to refight the same thing like 80 times just to get these points and like, just make like fun hidden objects like around the cities uh, and just let that be like your collectible type of deal. Don't, don't do these repetitive, <laughs> uh, but yeah, you know, it, it should be, I, it, it should, I hope it gets better, but Peter, did you, did you watch the trailer or anything? Have anything to put it into? Nope. Okay, cool. Cool, cool, cool. No worries. Um, but yeah, so Spider-Man comes out October. Um, hopefully we will definitely do something uh, around that. Um, more than likely we will, because I think that game's gonna be really great. And I keep forgetting that's coming out this year, so I always I know it's always fun to re-remember that. Um, well, let's take a little aside from the video game realm. Uh, if you are listening to this podcast in the future, this probably has not as much relevance to you because it's a kind of timely thing. But you know, you could still watch these movies in the future. So, but this week 
uh, well, this weekend in particular, it's kind of a crazy weekend in the movie, in the movie the scene. Uh, last week we had Mission Impossible: Dead Reckoning Part One uh, come out, which I didn't realize this was a part one. Uh, right now it's sitting at an 8.1 on IMDb and a 99% on Rotten Tomatoes. Tom Cruise is absolutely killing it these past couple of years. And then today two movies came out which if you are seeing the title of our podcast you already know what those are we got barbie the 2020 2023 the 2023 film featuring margot robbie and uh ryan gosling which yes it is a movie about barbie and then uh oppenheimer um which is really funny this is a christopher nolan film but that is where barbenheimer has been coming around it is a meme as of today where people are talking about the mashup of barbie and oppenheimer oh it's so funny um and so oppenheimer is um kind of a biographical thriller thriller film talking about um the uh, atomic bomb, the creation of that, and I think more in particular the post effects of making that, you know, creating that atomic bomb, and what it's kind of meant for the world. Um, so it's got the cast in this one: Emily Blunt, Matt Dan, Robert Downey. I always, I always say his, this guy's name is it Cillian Murphy? I don't know how uh, you say his first name. Yeah, it's because it's a C. Yeah, it's Irish or something, but like it's it's Cillian. Cillian, yeah. Cillian, Cillian, yeah. Yeah, it, it features him as like the main. Uh, but yeah, like Emily Blunt, Robert Downey, Matt Damon. Um, there's probably a ton more. This is kind of all I can think of at the top of my head. Um, Josh yeah. Penn. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Um, yeah, the cast is, is crazy, and it's a Christopher Nolan film. So uh, those are the three films that you can kind of watch this weekend. If I had to rate the order of what I would want to see these, first being like, I want to see this first, right? Uh, it'd probably be Oppenheimer to Mission Impossible to Barbie. I think it's my order. Uh, Peter, of these three films, kind of what are, what are you most excited about? What, what would be kind of your order of what you would want to watch I had no idea about the Oppenheimer thing, and as soon as he said Christopher Nolan, I'm like, isn't that Interstellar? <laughs> like, so 100% Oppenheimer, and it looks like it did trailer, really man. well. It's, the trailer's phenomenal. I think I've seen it in the theaters I am theaters excited twice so now. You've, you've seen it? No, no, sorry. I've seen the trailer oh. in theaters, oh, okay. um, and it's... Yeah. A lot so of people are saying... Is it only out in like, theaters right now? It, it came, out came out today. Yep. Yeah. It and Barbie Ooh. came out today. And Barbie came out today. I yeah. think it's going to be well, very heavy. Oh, yeah, very haunting. <laughs> like, this is not going to be a happy. And then um, uh, definitely Mission Impossible second. I mean, uh, how could you not want to see Tom Cruise after Top Gun? Yeah, yeah. Maverick. My God. That's still probably, like, one of the best movies I've seen in the last oh, five, easily. maybe ten years. Easily. Um, I love Maverick. I want to go watch it right now. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even remember the third one was in Barbie. Barbie. <laughs> Which, hey, don't sleep on Barbie, bro. All I'm saying yeah. is right now it's got That's a 90% great. on Rotten Tomatoes with an 89% Rotten uh, oh, audience score man. and a 7.7 on IMDb, which it's no just the first way. day. But yeah, apparently it is doing pretty decent. It says yeah. that Barbie glands up summer with a 150 million plus opening. And then Oppenheimer yep. is at 75 right now. Now, this was two hours ago. So, I mean, 
give it uh, give it some time. It's also an hour longer, so less less time. Three to hours to long, dude. Yeah. Uh, what What about you, Max? Is your order kind of the same? Uh, you... No, actually. So I've I've never seen a Mission Impossible movie. Uh, okay. So I um I want to watch them at some point. Yeah. Um I. So that would probably be my last one, uh, just because I, I don't want to go into it without seeing the, the previous ones. I got you. Um, so I would definitely, I'm actually looking to see about seeing Oppenheimer tomorrow. Cool. Um, and then Barbie after that, which I actually watched the trailer for Barbie with Ruthie, and it looks fun yeah. as heck. Like, yeah, it, it looks it looks really funny, um, even though I've never played with Barbies or even Julia <laughs> ever played with Barbies growing up. Like Barbie is so iconic that I know what it looks like. I know what the world of Barbie land looks like as the yeah. toys, you know? Yeah. Um, and the fact that it's at least from the trailer, it very much seems like it's making fun of the stereotypes of Barbie of like, Oh, you need to look like this as a woman. Like it, it like this very much looks like almost like an, an elf kind of story in the sense where it's like, it's Barbie leaving barbie land coming to the <laughs> real world she loses re- she has flat feet yeah and realizes that like oh like uh, i'm not setting the best example for women all over the world <laughs> and like i love that ryan gosling's character of ken very much seems like he's trying to get out of barbie's shadow and he's like it's always barbie and ken it's never just ken and just <laughs> yeah. him finding some sort of like autonomy for himself i kind of love the idea that that's his character arc um it just looks hilarious and greta gerwig um the director of the movie i I think she's phenomenal um she's directed two movies before this one uh ladybird and uh little women both of which are phenomenal movies um little women is one of my favorite movies in the last few years as well I know it's been it's a movie that's been made over and over again over the past like 50 plus years but this latest version is is my favorite um and so the fact that she's helming this movie it looks beautiful it looks really well made production wise I want to see both of them uh, I would love I, I could probably wait to see Barbie until it's out of theaters but if I had to choose between two uh, you can never go wrong with a Christopher Nolan movie um, yeah it's it's fun that there's a little Easter egg too in Google. If you do uh, Google the Barbie movie, uh, like pink sparkles go all around your screen and everything turns pink. <laughs> so I'm looking gonna, that up right now. That's fun hilarious. Little, yeah, fun little uh, Easter egg that's going on. And you know, its cast is also really good, right? Like yeah. the Barbie movie, it's got Ryan Gosling, it's got um, Margot Robbie, um, Michael Sarah, Will Ferrell's in this thing. Apparently, Anne Hathaway makes appearance. John Cena somehow's in this. Um, there's a, there's, I mean, it's a ton. There is a lot. Kate McKinnon. She's pretty funny. Uh, America Ferreira. She's, she's really good. So yeah, it's, it's it's cool. It's a really big, uh, big cast in all these, in all these, uh, films that are out right now. So yeah, if you were, you know, if you're into the film industry, uh, this is a really good week to go out and just try to try to see some movies. I definitely, um, you know, I haven't seen all the mission impossibles as well. I think this is, maybe like the sixth or seventh one i always forget i seven. do know yeah. seven i know it's been then, a long time since like the last one right maybe five six years five years i think since fallout 
Um, Henry Cavill's in that one. He was apparently really great in it. Um, I do know that this is like, like you said, part one and part two. This is the final Mission Impossible movie. So Mission Impossible Eight or Part Two will be the final movie. Yeah. Um, I mean, I I don't know how old Tom Cruise is, but you got to stop sprinting. Yeah. Uh, yeah, they gotta, they gotta stop making him look very young in these films. Eventually, uh, the, yeah, you gotta you just, do so much, dude. Yeah, just stop. Yeah, um, yeah. It looks like you know part two is actually scheduled, at least right now, could change. Uh, but part two is scheduled for June twenty eighth of next year. So at least the uh, the wait for part two isn't bad. Uh, it mm-hmm. seems that it is in the filming stage right now um and the fun thing is uh christopher mcquarrie is the one who directed it uh Mm -hmm. he also directed the last two so fallout and rogue nation which obviously seems to be going really really well for it so that's that's nice that he is still um kind of attached to all this um you know jj abrams has still been a producer and everything as well as tom cruise um, but so that that's cool. I'm I'm glad that like the same director has kind of been heading these uh, these last couple ones. Um, last thing I guess I would say on this is kind of you know our friend Satorn. He has seen every Mission Impossible, and when he kind of like we asked him what he thought about it, and he actually did say that it is his favorite Mission Impossible yet. So I feel like that's pretty uh, pretty high praise for a movie on its seventh iteration or sixth iteration uh, would be labeled as someone's best. That is, that's pretty cool. I, I think it's a testament to, uh, like, say what you will about Tom Cruise. I know a lot of people I don't like him. I, I personally don't like him as a person. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But the, I can't, the man has shown that he has a love for film probably higher than a lot of people in Hollywood. Like yeah. this, this is a man who is dedicated to his craft and it shows, you know, yeah. Maverick would not have been as good as it was without him driving a lot of it and saying, we need practical jet effects. Like yeah. these things, like we have to do these things. It's the same with the mission impossible movies to this day. He still does all of his own stunts. Yep. And it, like, um, I think that's why I do want to see them. Like, is because like I want to see like, wow, like how, how did they, you know, keep moving forward as he's aged? The man makes good movies. He does. Um, yeah. He really and does. Uh, and they do know, well on reviews and in theaters. Yeah, they do. So I, I am very impressed. All right. Well, we have time for our our last topic of the night, which is an indie game. I did not think I was going to uh, dive <laughs> into as much as I have. Uh, Peter, why don't you tell our loving audience a little bit about Dave the Diver? If you can give us maybe your quick summary. What is Dave the Diver? Where can you play it at? And why is it one of the best indie games so far this year? What is Dave the Diver? What isn't Dave the Diver? Are you kidding me? <laughs> It's the diver is everything. It's everything. It literally has every freaking thing in it that you can think of. It's an indie game. It's like Pixel. You look at it and you're like, this isn't anything. And then you play it and it's like, this has everything. <laughs> what? Um, um, where can you play it on? Steam. Yep. Yeah, it's a PC game. Yeah. PC only. Steam technically Steam Deck, but you know who gets in those technicalities. Um, so what do you, what do you what do you do in Dave? And Dave the Diver. What are what are some of these what are some of these things? 
one minute you're fishing, another minute you're cooking, another minute you're like playing a freaking side scroller, and like then you're playing like a an RPG, and then you're playing like a uh, watching a cutscene of like like more cutscenes that are <laughs> more interesting and more emotional than like the cutscenes in Final Fantasy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Um, for a pixel pixel game it's like pixelated cutscenes every single one of them but they're like they're animated like a movie that's kind of crazy there's some deep emotion in some of these cutscenes with the uh, the chef man even like and then like it's ridiculous it is a wild time um it it has some of the best humor in a video game i've ever seen um it really doesn't come off cringy at all it it sort of comes off like it take it takes itself very unserious um and it knows that it's not trying it's not trying to try to be funny it's just it knows its audience it knows the gamers who are playing this game and um and you can just identify with so many parts of the game um yeah, I don't know yeah, what else so, to say. Yeah, so Dave the Diver, if you could not tell, is a really good game. Yeah, you do play as Dave, who is the diver. Uh, you are a man on a mission to try to help your friend um, kind of create a sushi shop. So you, the, the main core of the game is you go underwater, you explore underwater, and you catch fish, and you, you know, there is a sushi shop mini game involved. Uh, and then, but there's, yeah, like Peter said, there really is just like a ton of content. You know, the beginning of the game, they just tack on so many other like little mini games onto it. Um, you have mini games to grow rice, mini games to breed fish, mini games for, um, you know, like the actual like sushi part, which I would say the main two things are the sushi and like the diving under the water and like exploring the depths and whatnot. Uh, and then there's like mer people, there's horse racing, there's, you know, helping some of the other animals under the, under the sea, you know, and, um, there are boss fights. There's just fights with other, you know, like other fish who are just more aggressive, like sharks and whatnot, right? There's nighttime fishing, there's daytime fishing. Um, you get a cell phone that allows you to like uh, people's posts on Instagram, essentially. Uh, you got a music player. You can call people. You can get funny spam emails in your email inbox on your. I mean, there really is. Like, I have not seen an indie game like this just consistently add more content of things to do. Some of it can be a little overwhelming because you're like holy guacamole, there's, like, so much I got to do. But once you kind of figure out what you actually, like, there's things you got to do, and then there's just things that, like, passively will happen. They have a really good blend between the, like, hey, just, like, set it and forget it, and, like, this is, like, something you could do because it's, like, more fun. Um, there's, like, a management mini game to, like, manage your staff in there, and... Uh, and apparently there's a storyline. Uh, Peter, out of the three of us, is the only one who has beaten the game. Uh, so there is oh, a storyline. Wow. You can technically beat the game, though I wouldn't really. I don't know. Peter said it was like it was cool and all, right? You were telling me like hey, you liked it, but really the game itself is what's fun, not necessarily the the storyline. Like just playing Dave the Diver is its strong its strong suit. This I really want to play this game. 
Like I, yeah, I, I, I think you'd have really fun. Uh, and for people listening in, right. So Metacritic has given it an 89. Uh, IGN gave it a nine out of 10 PC gamer gave it a 91. Open Critic gave it an 89, whatever the heck that is. And on Steam, it is a 10 out of 10. It has 39,758 reviews, which I know some people like review bomb and spam and all that kind of crap, but it does have an overwhelmingly positive Mm -hmm. uh, score on Steam as of right now. Um, Do I think this game is going to hit console one day? 100% this game is going to hit console one day. There is no shot this game cannot hit console. It is just crushing it. Uh, It's really cool. The way that you two are explaining it to me, it sounds like Yakuza. In the sense of like Yakuza is basically... (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, my gosh, you're so right. That is totally how this is like. And the like, humor is kind of similar too. I yeah, think. yeah. It, it just seems very like slice of life. You're doing so many different like things in the midst of a overarching narrative. Yes, it's one of the reasons I love the Yakuza game so much is because like the mini games are so much freaking fun, and like this sounds yeah. this sounds right up my alley. Like in terms of gameplay, this sounds like something I would absolutely enjoy and be in like my top ten for the year. Yeah, so, just is, when you uh, think you're addictive. you're done with the game, uh, not as a spoiler, but it, like it tacks on like another extremely complicated mechanic. Like, so you could continue the game. It's not like it just stops when you beat it. Right. So I know some people care about that. Um, no, I love. That yeah, kind of it's stuff. a game you can continue playing. And it's only twenty after bucks. You beat it. Yeah, and it's been on sale a ton. Like I think it's on sale again this weekend for like eighteen. Like it's just yeah, it's for what you get is absolutely incredible. The only the only issue that I had with it was um, its saving mechanic. You get three auto saves and then one save slot, and the okay. save slot though, like sometime. The game can kind of get a little unfortunate with its like time basis. So if you um like if you're you can only do the sushi shop during the nighttime and you can only fish during the day or you can fish during one part of the night. It's kind of it's kind of hard to explain, but essentially oh though, God. sometimes the storyline can time lock you. And, like, if you had, like, oh, I really wanted to do this special event at night, and you didn't realize it, you, like, go through this story mode thing, and the next thing you know, it's like, oh, the night's over with. You can't do the special event. I'm like, oh, well, that kind of sucks. And then, like, yeah. So there's, like, some little little things here and there that's, like, a little frustrating with the game. Um, But, I I mean, I'm still sitting at a solid, like, 9.5 out of 10 uh, for this game. The way that you just said that, is it almost like Persona in a way, where it's like you have to like kind of map out your schedule if you want to see everything? Um, or... Not necessarily see everything, because like the game doesn't have like... It's not a Harvest Moon where like you're going to die at the very end eventually, but like... So you, you don't have like a numbered amount of days uh, to like okay. be able to see everything. It's just more of like a little frustration of like, oh man, I like kind of mapped out like 
I got all these fish tonight. I was going to like do like a really Selling good like tuna sushi night thing here. But like now my plan is kind of ruined because I didn't realize this, this storyline was going to take longer. So it's, it's just like a little annoyances of like that. But outside of that, really for me, this game is like a solid uh, nine and a half out of 10. So what, wow. what, what is your score That's on it? Peach? Um, yeah, I would say nine and a half. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's good. It's really good. In the save feature, definitely was the only I thing that knocked off the last point five points. Yeah, this sounds um, like a this sounds like a great Switch game to me that I would dude, play. Yeah, yeah. If it gets on the Switch, get it right away. It's gonna be fun. Oh, I can't wait. I cannot wait. Well, very cool. I think that is all the uh, the topics that we had for the night um we usually finish off with a recommend did anybody think of any recommendations by chance max Peter? oh yeah okay cool yeah okay cool well you guys can go first because i completely forgot so we'll start with max um i'm assuming is everybody just kind of you know you guys are playing final fantasy as far as like outside of maybe any like I know Peter, you and I kind of play our like online games, but aside from like that world, has it kind of just been Final Fantasy and like a little bit of day for you, Peter? Has it been, or has you guys been playing anything else? My uh, my recommendation. Okay. Is to, oh, uh, no, I I guess <laughs> I it hasn't been anything else. I yet. just wanted to make sure because we always talk about the games that we're playing. I just I didn't want to cut that part out. That was why I just wanted to make sure. Okay. We that's no, all we've go. been playing has it been kind of Final Fantasy and like Dave the Diver for the most part. Um, yeah, I've also been playing Octopath Traveler too, just oh, because this, this has been a crazy year of JRPGs, uh, which is I'm in heaven in that sense. Um, it's great. I, cool. I haven't gotten too into it because I want to finish Final Fantasy 16 first before I like fully dive into it. Yeah. Um, but. I fell off of the first Octopath Traveler pretty early just because it started getting really repetitive. Um, and all the reviews I read about Octopath Traveler 2 were saying it like has vastly improved that aspect of it. Um, and the storylines of the eight heroes is, is way better than the first game. So I was like, okay, I'm going to give the second one a shot. And so far, it has not um, disappointed. Cool. It's, it's really, really good. That's really good to hear. Sweet. I, yeah. I will say this. I mean, it's not recent. I mean, it's it was only just a little bit ago, but I did pick up Darkest Dungeon. Ooh, so nice. Was, uh, that was an experience that I missed out on when it first came out. And then the second game came out recently. So I guess that's yep. that's a little relevant in a sense. Did you, so, uh, did you play the second one too? I haven't, <clears throat> but I do know that it got really good reviews. Yeah. Um, nice. And uh, yeah. Yeah, I I'm not playing anything. I I have not been playing Jack for like a while now. I've been playing like some Fortnite and whatnot, but I'm kind of just waiting for uh, August third oh. is when Baldur's Gate three drops. Um, so no, at no, the moment, it's gonna be yeah, still Starfield. <laughs> yeah, at the moment, I don't really care about video games right now. I've just been watching TV shows and uh. Mm playing board games so that's that has been my life uh but yeah okay so now uh what are some recommendations for our audience peter what would you recommend this week um i would recommend uh to check out 
uh, Resident Evil 4 remake if you haven't Resident already Evil. checked it out. It was um, probably one of the best first games I played this year. Yeah. Um, it was kind of like that and Harry Potter are the two that I remember. And uh, and Resident Evil made a, a much larger impact. Um, it, it just... It, it was like the... All the way through, it, it had me hooked. Um, sort of like how Resident Evil 2 Remake did. Um, Resident Evil 3 Remake was good, and I liked that a lot, but 4 really gave me that sense of, like, wow, uh, I'm... <laughs> like, this is just packed with action and... and uh, and excitement like the whole way through and it was and it had a lot more content than the third one did um so yeah love that uh, i, I, I like, need to play that game feel like I... it was easy to forget about it um but with all the other stuff being announced but uh, just it, it was easy to forget about does not make it bad exactly nope. not at all what about for you max what would you recommend to our audience Oh man, I'm gonna recommend a TV show. I honestly can't remember how, if I recommended this show last time we did our podcast, and even if I did, I don't really care. Um, it's The Bear. Um, yep. The Bear yep. season two came out a few weeks ago now. Ruthie and I binged it in like a week. I, I, I have. It has been a long time since I have seen a show that has just fired on all cylinders like this. This show has so much freaking heart and so much like just really makes you root for the ever like all of the characters in this show. Um, it's a it's a slice of life cooking show. It's about this uh, character who is kind of taken over his brother's restaurant and season two just came out where they're now in the renovation stage of the restaurant and all of the stressful um, things that can go on and that kind of thing. And it's just a very great look at Chicago restaurant um, life. Like, what is it like owning a restaurant? What is it like dealing with your um, personal demons that you're facing day in and out in the midst of running a restaurant? And um, I can't praise the show enough. It's it's phenomenal storytelling. The writing is in is impeccable there are moments in the show where you're watching a scene and it, it doesn't feel scripted you feel like you're watching a true real life scenario in front of you um that's how good the writing is and um you know i've i i really just kind of recommend it to anyone i ever speak to like it's, it's one of those things where it's very it, in terms of language it is very heavy but it's one of those things where it it works for the place you're in, the environment you're in, the characters you're with. And I just, I can't praise the show enough. I don't want to give too much away about what it does, how it impacts you. I, I highly recommend it to anyone listening and to the both of you if you haven't watched it yet. Um, it's just, it's a phenomenal story. It is probably the best show I've seen in three years, maybe. Uh, That's awesome. Like, yeah, it's just incredible. That's so cool. Yeah, I think you did... Um... You did mention it last time too, or at least maybe the time before, which 
I mean, hey, that's not a bad thing. If you recommend something more than one time, I mean, really, it just kind of shows uh, just, like, how awesome it is. Ain't no shame in that, for sure. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, so for me, my we have a really good variety this week. That's really nice. Um, mine is a board game. Well, technically, it is a card game. It is the Marvel Champions card game. Um, it is a really fun card game. Um, it features, um, there are, I don't know, like a couple, there's like one core game and then there is six, um, campaign expansions and then there is 30 additional hero packs that you can also buy separately. Um, but essentially you are, you know, in the core set, you get four heroes that you get to play as, um, Spider-Man, Iron Man, Captain Marvel, Hulk, oh, Black Panther, so there's five, um, and Black Panther, and you fight different villains, like right now, Julie and I are still just trying to beat Rhino, because he is really hard, and for us, the game is kind of hard, but you, uh, you play as your heroes, and you take on the villains, and it is a card game, it's not a deck builder, like DC deck builder, you have uh, a predefined 50 card deck, uh, but the really cool thing about this one that I do like is, you know, if you want to get someone else, like Gambit, for example, has his own, um, like, deck that you can buy. And it comes with, you know, your stand. I think it's 40 cards maybe in a deck. Um, it comes with a pre-made, like, 40-card deck, which is a really good place to start. But you can customize it, just like you did back in the day when you played, you know, Pokemon or when you played Yu-Gi-Oh! or Magic the Gathering. Like, this is a card game in that sense where you can edit your deck and make it the way that you want to make it, which I think is really cool. Um, the mechanics of it are really fun, uh, and it is a board game that Julie and I have really enjoyed. We went to a uh, board game... I don't know what it would be called. Like, I don't want to call it a bar because it wasn't a full on bar, but like it had like drinks and stuff, but it was a comic book store. It had, you know, like figures and board games and you could go there and play games for free. Like we brought our dice throne game. We were playing it. Um, and there was a table next to us that was playing this Marvel champions. And when me and Julie see superhero in card games, our ears perked up and sure enough, we bought it on sale on prime day and it is an incredible, incredible card game. So if you're into card game, board games, and whatnot, uh, and you like Marvel characters, uh, Marvel Champions, the board game is definitely for you. You can play it solo, and if you got friends, you can play up to four people. So pretty cool. Nice. I like that. Uh, yeah. Uh, so yeah, I think that concludes it. Uh, pretty solid episode. I tell you, you know, Max, he always says, maybe we won't have enough content for today's podcast. And I'm always like, you never know, man. It'll be fine. And sure yeah, enough, every time we hit an hour and a half, never fails. I love it. It is it is a tradition right now for Max to always say, you know, this might be a short one today. <laughs> it always, it always and then guaranteed to be like two and a half, like two hours. <laughs> oh, it's, it is the best. I absolutely love it. But, well, thank you all uh, for listening. Um, it was a pretty solid, pretty solid podcast, in my opinion. A lot of cool stuff that is happening. Oh, yeah. Uh, fun. I think this was our first kind of like, there's a lot of cool movies. We haven't like had a podcast yet where there's been like a lot of movie talk. So that's kind of cool. I enjoyed that. Yeah. I'm really glad to see I, I the film industry is doing well right now. Yeah. Might, might be the best it'll be for a while. <laughs> <laughs>
yeah <laughs> lighting and actor strike is over we'll see yeah very true and as always uh, appreciate peter hopping in um we always like when he gets to join us he's definitely becoming a good solid honorary member of the uh, podcast team and before Agreed. i continue to just ramble on even more as always you can find us on all of your favorite podcasting websites whether it be on apple spotify google amazon Simplecast, and even a couple more that I forget. Look up your favorite podcast site. I bet we're there. And if we're not, let us know because we'll probably be able to get there. Uh, you can find us always calling all nerds. Again, calling all nerds is the overarching, uh, we'll just call it company of us, right? And this is the Nerd Alert podcast brought to you by the Calling All Nerds. We are the Calling All Nerds crew. Uh, you can find us on socials. We won't ever post on there because none of us care about social media. Uh, but you will find us on YouTube where you can watch us live and get some insights before we do the stream. We'd like to chit-chat a little bit if you're interested in that. That is always cool to jump in on that. Um, so you can listen to our podcast also post on YouTube and on your favorite podcast site wherever you would like to. Uh, and with that... I think we conclude episode 23 of the Nerd Alert podcast. Thank you all so much for tuning in, and we shall see you all again next time. Peace. Peace.